So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations, and this the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time, the 29th of January. My name is Jan Keeley, and help me to present the programme again today, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, Jan. Oh, isn't it so eloquently quiet this morning, but I'm sure that's all going to change. We also want to especially welcome our listeners who are housebound, those who are lonely and struggling, and we know there's people like that out there. Uh, people who might be listening to our podcast in different parts of the world, different parts of the week, and maybe look forward maybe to what we share, uh, some of the faith topics we speak about, or even some of the music that we play. Thank you indeed for your prayer support, and thanks for joining us. All of our podcasts, just a reminder again, uh, can be heard at commonsinspirations.buzzbread.com. Uh, people might just pass on that message to people, maybe. If people want some inspirational um, inspiration music, inspirational reflections on various faith topics, just Google Come and See Inspirations. You'll find us there. Uh, our blog, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Uh, people can still view that, and that's got uh, loads of information and posts that Shane would have posted over the last maybe 12 years at this particular stage, including some of our uh, previous recordings that we don't when we were working with Common C- uh, Sacred Space. And West Limit 102 local radio. We're also available to be heard at Spotify and iTunes and also on our Facebook a Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. If you want to contact us, please do so, and you can do that by emailing comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. That's comeandseeinspirations gmail.com. Now, this part of the program may be a little bit louder. Shane might be able to share some saints for the week for us. Thanks, Shane. <clears throat> so, as John said, today is the fourth Sunday in Ordinary Time. So, for those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week four. I think I've forgotten to mention that for the last couple of weeks. So, in terms of the liturgical odds and ends that are ahead of us for this week, there's a couple of heavy hitting, well, not heavy hitters, but a couple of uh, upcoming feasts and celebrations that we take note of. But anyway, first of all, starting out on Monday, the 30th of January, we have the feast day on the Irish calendar of St. Aidan, or St. Madoc, who was born around 550 AD, probably in County Cavan. Aidan studied under David in Wales, and on his return, he founded monastery at Ferns. And he was the bishop there and renowned for his generosity and kindness, and he died in 626. Also on the 30th of December, we have the feast days of two of the Irish martyrs, that were beatified in 1992. So that's Blessed Margaret Paul and Blessed Francis Taylor. Margaret uh, is an interesting one um, because she died in... She was was an elderly enough lady when she was arrested for sheltering priests and having mass celebrated in her home. And she was taken to Dublin Castle and the conditions obviously at the castle weren't great. She died there in 1584. The interesting thing about the time is her, her son was the Lord Mayor of Dublin. And did nothing to help his mother. That was a complication. Indeed he go. Mm. So then we have Blessed Francis Taylor, who was born in Swords. He, wa- he was elected a mayor of Dublin in 1595, uh, but he was imprisoned in 16... 16- he died in 1621 at the age of 70, um, and he had been in prison for seven years before he died. So those are two of the Irish martyrs that we remember on the 30th of January. On the 31st of January, we celebrate uh, the feast of St. John Bosco, or Don Bosco. He, of course, is an Italian saint, very much associated with Turin. His mother, of course, Margaret, uh, Mother Margaret, as she's known. Famous famous story, I suppose, behind him, of course, he, he did much to help his family 
uh, as his father died when he was two. And he very much involved, of course, with the... He set up the Salesians, of course, and very much involved with the education and faith formation of children. He was ordained in 1841, worked in very much in the area of teaching and chaplaincy, and obviously, very, as I said, founded the Salesians and the sister organization, or the sisters, the sisters, which is, of course, the Daughters of Mary, Help of Christians. We've had, of course, the Salesians and the, mm. the, 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 the Salesian sisters on the program. Yeah. So um, happy feast day to all. Uh, then on, mon- on Wednesday, the 1st of February, first day of spring in the Irish calendar. And, of course, it is the feast day of St. Bridget, Abbess, secondary patron of Ireland. And, of course, in Ireland this year, we are really paying particular attention to St. Bridget's Day because we are getting a new public holiday. So Monday week, so Monday the, um, Monday the 6th, I think it is. Uh, mm-hmm. Monday the 6th is a public holiday in Ireland so we're all getting a new holiday to celebrate St. Bridget's Day um, So, but it's going to be moving it's it's not going to be fixed like St. Patrick's Day to the 17th it's going to be it's going to be the first Monday in February that we will get the benefit of it but anyway St. Bridget of course uh, very much a saint renowned for hospitality her alms giving and care of the sick she was born around 454 AD and she was, her mother was a slave and her father was a wealthy landowner. Um, she was due to be betrothed, but she consecrated her virginity to God and is very much associated with St. Mel of Armagh and stayed under his, under his direction in her, in, in, uh, for a number of years. And she went on, of course, then, in, in, as is known through her stories, to found what is a double monastery in Kildare with the assistance of Bishop Conlet. And tradition holds that she died in 524 AD. And very much, of course, associated, very different things associated with like the flame of St. Bridget, although there is a chance that is conflicted or conflated with the story of the goddess, the Celtic goddess Bridget. Uh, obviously, there's the tradition that says that when she, when she, Patrick heard her final vows, he mistakenly used the form for ordaining priests. And when told of it, he replied, so be it, my son, she is destined for great things. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. She, the, the double convent business, that is that it meant it was a convent for both. There was a block for men and a block for women. And, of course, very much associated with Kildara or Kildare, which, of course, means Church of the Oak. Um, uh, she, in terms of her, I suppose, uh, patronages, there's quite a few of them, actually. Uh, blacksmiths, boatmen, cattle. Dairy maids, dairy workers. Now, the dairy maids, dairy workers connection is her mother uh, ran uh, a dairy and um, it's supposed to have done very well uh, because Bridget was involved. Uh, Infants, obviously Ireland. Um, Sailors, scholars and travellers because she travelled widely across Ireland. Poets uh, because she's said to have come from Bardic line. So a busy woman, lots of patronages. Uh, she was interred in... Now, tradition holds... The reason we celebrated her feast day on the 1st of February is that is the day she's supposed to have died mm-hmm. in 523 in mm-hmm. Kildare. Her relics were transferred to Don Patrick in 878 where they were said to have been interred with those of St. Patrick and St. Columba of Iona. And uh, her head, actually... I'm not quite sure why, but the resources I was looking at said her head is supposed to be in the Jesuit church in Lisbon in Portugal. Yeah, you told me this a few times that a few parts of different saints' body seems they, to they migrate a small bit. Yes, yeah, they 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 don't do that anymore. Um, it's, that's not allowed anymore. <laughs> it's frowned upon. 
Um, but um, yeah, so it's uh, that, that, that's St. Bridget on the 1st. The 2nd of, thir- 2nd of uh, February, of course, is next Thursday, and it is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord. It is the World Day of Prayer. It's the World Day for Consecrated Life. And it used also to be known as the feast day of the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And in colloquial terms, it is known as Candlemas Day. <clears throat> so a lot of things there to unpack. So the feast of the presentation of the Lord and the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, those are interlinked. 40 days after giving birth to the child, Mary, fulfilling the Judaic Mosaic law, went to a temple for the rite of purification. And in the 19, pre-1969 liturgical calendar, that would have marked the end of the Christmas period. So in some churches, they would have kept their crib up until the 2nd of February. Is that because it's 40 days or something? Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. It's around 40 days. The feast, of course, the presentation is very much a remembrance of the Lord. Um, the present, the feast of the presentation, of course, is the the presentation of Jesus as a child in the temple, and his recognition by Simeon and Anna. And uh, and of course, the interesting thing about it is, of course, from that we get that great prayer, the Nuc Dimittis, which is that uh, that prayer of Simeon, the Lord. Um, you know, I have seen what. Um, I'll come back to it in a second. So then, as well as that, it's the World Day of Prayer for Consecrated Life. So in many dioceses across the world, uh, it is the day when there are special prayers for the religious of um, of the diocese and, a pra- and is generally a mass celebrated with the bishop to celebrate religious and consecrated life. And then, of course, it's also Candlemas Day because the tradition, of course, is that candles are blessed in the church on the pres- Feast of the Presentation. Uh, tradition would be that they would be, you know, blessed for the use of the church during the year in the church building. And often people will have, you know, a couple of candles to bring home. It's always handy to have a blessed candle in the house. Mm. You might never know when you might need it. Now, just going back to what I was saying there, the song of Simeon or the canticle of Simeon is what we associate with the gospel of the day. And it's that uh, prayer that um, Lord... Uh, now master you let your servant go in yeah. peace you have fulfilled your promise my own eyes have seen your salvation which you have prayed, prepared in the sight of all the peoples so anyway that's next Thursday folks so next Thursday is Candlemas Day as I know some people like to go to chapel on the feast of Candlemas uh, then Friday is the feast of Saint Blaise of course uh, so Blaise, who died in 315, Bishop of Sebaste, martyred in Armenia. And tradition says that he was a physician before becoming a bishop. And since the 8th century, he has been venerated as a patron of those who suffer from the disease of the troth. So it is traditional on the Friday to seek the intercession and the invocation of the blessing of the throats through the intercession of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr. And um, so uh, that's so that's a common thing that will happen on uh, on the on the Friday. Now, as it happens, um, and then Saturday. Let me finish the days first. So on Saturday, it is the feast of Saint Gilbert of Simpringham, uh, who died in eleven ninety. Now, this is an interesting one, John. He died in eleven ninety. Was canonized in twelve o two. That was quick. That was quick, and he was supposed to be one hundred years old when he died. Well. So it was an interesting one. Well, he was—he was, he was mm. you know—he was the son of a Norman knight, and he didn't really want to become a father. Uh, sorry, a soldier. So his father exiled him to Paris to study. He returned to England and opened a school, and then when his father died and he inherited things, he decided to set up a couple of monasteries. He then was ordained a priest at the age of forty. 
He founded an order of nuns called the Gilbertines, who were around until they were suppressed by Henry VIII. Uh, he was a friend of Thomas Becket, uh, which can't probably have endeared him to too many people. Mm-hmm. And then, anyway, and as I said, he lived to be over 100 years old. And he's a saint. And he's a saint. Yeah. And there you go. So, now, uh, Friday, next Friday, the which is Candlemas, of course, is... No, sorry, next Friday is St. Blaise, I beg your pardon. And it is the first Friday of the month. So, and then Saturday, obviously, which is the Feast of St. Gilbert, will be the first Saturday of the month for those that are having those devotions. In terms of the month of February, the Pope's intention for the month is we pray that parishes placing communion at the centre may increasingly become communities of faith, fraternity and welcome towards those most in need, which I think is a very interesting and timely papal intention, uh, given the challenges we have with our parishes at the moment, particularly for those parishes that no longer have resident clergy and are trying to maintain their sense of identity as a people of and a community of faith. I said that that's going to be a challenge to be able to... To keep the identity of parishes, maybe small yeah, parishes going small parishes going forward. It's it's yeah, it's a huge challenge, and I suppose in an Irish context, it's slightly different because parish identity is very much bound up with sporting identity. Yeah. Uh, but from the point of view of um, faith, it does pose a challenge. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a, a topic we can talk about maybe more uh, another day. In the meantime, a uh, little prayer space this morning. What I decided to do this morning was go back to what we used to do there um, some time back, and it's pray, pray a spiritual communion prayer, uh, especially for those who, <coughs> who can't get to Mass, wouldn't like to get to Mass. I know some of our listeners who are maybe housebound can't physically receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. But here's a prayer that we often used to pray here on the, on the podcast. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as being already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So with that, we'll go for our first bit of music this morning. Uh, this one I liked. I heard it again during the week. It just reminded me of some time since we played it. It's by John Michael Talbot, and this one is entitled One Bed, One Bread, One Body. Back and join us in part two, and today in part two, uh, we can listen to an interview <coughs> that I conducted with Sister Rose Carmel McNamara, who's a Mercy Sister, based out in Romania, working with people on the margins. So that's in part two. Come back and join us then. <laughs>
So welcome back again to Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. Thanks again for staying with us. And today I'm joined by Sister Rose Carmel McNamara, who's a a Mercy sister. She's currently working in Romania. Hello, Rose Carmel. You're very welcome to our podcast here at Come and See Inspirations today. Thank you, John. Thank you for inviting me. You're very welcome. I come across... um, uh, Sister Rose Carmel, or Rose Carmel, in a different forum there recently, and uh, we, we've built up a little bit of a relationship. Uh, and um, Rose has very kindly agreed to come on and tell us her story. Now, at some later stage, um, we might ask Rose to come on and talk to us about her vocation story, but not today. Today, we want to speak about her work in Romania. And I believe it all started, Rose, Rose Carmel, when you came to Romania on a holiday from England in the year 2000. That's right. Not a place that people would have at the top of their list for a holiday destination. Can you tell us how that all came about? Well, John, my background has been in teaching for 26 years and then 10 years with learning disability, uh, adult learning disability. And after 10 years with them, I uh, felt the need for a change while I still had had energy with me. Uh, I wasn't a chicken at the time, Mm. um, but this is what I felt I wanted to do. I didn't think about coming to Romania uh, at the time because I thought, no, that would give me another language to pick up. And um, that that meant too much work for me. So I decided I 
But then I got the opportunity. Somebody uh, was happened to be in our um, congregational head house and uh, spoke about the poverty uh, that she witnessed when she was had been out here for a short time. And um, I had a, a phone call from uh, the, the leader and um, I was asked, did I wish to go out to have a look at it? Because I particularly wanted to work with marginalised. So this I did. I took three weeks of my holiday, um, the last two weeks of March and the 1st of April, linking uh, both years because we had to have the holiday before, um, one holiday before the end of March. So I came out to have a look for myself. And what I experienced, John, was a, a sense of helplessness. Um, I saw drab buildings in the older blocks where most of the poor were. Uh, the smell of garbage was absolutely, uh, was absolutely horrendous. Uh, there were potholes in the roads all over the place. Um, I was warned not to speak in, in public transport. Um, and the silence was absolutely uh, deafening, excuse the pun. Um, uh, people I noticed were searching the bins for food. I saw a lot of homeless teenagers and I learned that the teenagers were just sent out of the orphanages when they were 18. They weren't allowed to stay any longer and they had to fend for themselves. And of course, most of them were in the orphanages from the time they were babies, they were destitute, they were abandoned, and they had nowhere to go. And many of them, I learned, were just um, housed themselves at night in the sewers um, because of the underground heating. Uh, so I went back then and um, I asked permission, you know, to come out. And obviously the leaders were not um, very happy at my request because they thought, well, at my age, language would be very difficult, a new culture, um, everything would be different. I didn't know people. Um, so I said to them, well, if I don't cope, I'll come back. And the congregational leader was very, very open. And she says, well, that's fair enough. If you don't cope, you come back. So, you know, we, you must have the opportunity of of um, trying if you feel that way inclined. So that's how I came out here. And, you know, I was just thinking there when you said that you didn't know one, anyone, you didn't know the, much about the culture, you didn't know the language. So you decided, obviously, the Holy Spirit was with you. But you, you decided to give it a go. So how did you get started and, and what work did you become involved with when you did start? Well, when I was in England, I uh, somebody contacted me. Um, she had a, a link with um, a foundation in Bucharest uh, with uh, HIV positive children. And she asked me, because she knew that my background had been in teaching, uh, if I'd be happy to teach them English. So I had that to start with. I was very fortunate in meeting up with a very good friend. We're still the best of friends, uh, Lisa. And uh, she came with me to um, out to the different places and showed me where the poor were. Uh, I had organized before I came out um, a food box appeal. And, and instead of having, you know, bits and bobs in the boxes, I asked people just to put 
non-perishable food. And Lisa and myself, we uh, brought these out to people. Uh, we also um, met in street corners, at street corners and in side alleys. Uh, we did this on a Sunday so that we wouldn't attract attention. Um, obviously, I was followed at one stage, um, but, you know, that, that's how we went. Uh, in the meantime, I was with the children as well. Um, I not only taught them English, but I took them out for outings to the parks, brought them into a cafe for, you know, for a, a Coke or a drink, whatever they wanted. And uh, we built up a very good relationship. So, you know, as time went on then, I, you know, going out to the people, I saw how they were just on their own. Um, most of the, the men seemed to die earlier here. And uh, they were just in dire situations. And I kind of felt, well, there must be some way of bringing these people together. They were completely isolated. And people were afraid to talk to each other. So I had the idea of um, going to one of the churches and asking the priest if he could, if he had a spare room that I could use. And he said, well, he had a basement room. Uh, it was very small. In fact, getting down to the basement, you take your life in your hands, but we managed it. Um, and it was, uh, as we'd say in Ireland, you wouldn't swing a cabinet, but it was good. It was a place. And I started off with three people and had a breakfast. Now, at the beginning, there was absolute silence. It was very uncomfortable. Mm. They were afraid to touch the food. They were afraid to say anything. Um, they, they wouldn't talk to each other. So I thought, oh, I got the brainwave then of uh, putting on a tape with Irish music. I didn't I didn't have CDs at the time. I only had tapes. And I put on, on this tape and I started jumping around to the gist of the music. And of course, they thought this was hilarious. An old woman jumping around the place, uh, unheard of there. So they suddenly started to laugh and to smile. It was okay to laugh. It was okay to smile. They started eating. And then uh, we were, you know, comfortable there. A couple more joined us, but then the, the location was too small. So I went looking for another one. Again, I got a basement, but here I could locate about 10 people. Um, it was easier to get down the basement in this area. And um, the people here were very comfortable because they had been with the, the breakfast and they joined me, you know, in this next location. And then gradually a few more joined on. And then, of course, we developed further and I had to look for someplace else. So I was roaming from place to place. But then the next place I got, it was a lovely big room um, and again, a church. And the priest was very, very open and, uh, you know, very willing to help in any way. And he brought me into the kitchen and he said, now, this is the kitchen. You can cook anything you want. Please feed my people. And uh, that we were there for, you know, some time. So that was absolutely fantastic. Then as time went on, um, I needed more space. Now, at that time, the Daughters of Charity had 
uh, bought um, an apartment. And I asked at the time if I could have a room for storing bits and pieces that I was getting. And um, they, they very kindly let me. And then I needed more space. So I approached them again and I said, is there any possibility that I could have more space? And they said, oh, well, we're about to sell. They didn't know how to tell me, but this one and the person that I spoke to, we had set up a, a Vincent de Paul in another parish, you know, uh, earlier than that. Mm -hmm. We didn't become part of it. We just, um, you know, set it up and, and left them to it after that. And so she knew exactly, you know, my thoughts for the poor. And they were very similar to her own. So she said to me at the time that she would put my request uh, towards the people uh, who were selling, but she knew there were five others interested as well. Now, I said to her, could I first offer? I didn't have one cent in plus for a house. So uh, she said, anyway, it came back to me. Yes, we're, we're letting you have them have the apartment. Well, in the meantime, I set about writing letters looking for funding, um, mainly to England and Ireland. And within two weeks, I had the price of the apartment. Uh, they are obviously a miraculous um, gift from the Lord. And we were, we were given the, the first offer and we were told we could have it at the price that they bought it for a few years before. Um, and they left all the furniture that they they had furnished it and everything was there. So it was a, a really a gift from heaven. And then, you know, we started expanding more. And um, then we, we felt that we had to have an association because of something that came to me personally. Mm -hmm. um, the Securitate, the secret police, caught up with me. And uh, one day I was with the children and uh, the foundation there uh, got a phone call looking for my mobile number. They had no choice but to give, what to give it. It came from the government. And uh, they, had, they asked to meet me at a certain place, certain time that day. I was taken by car to a big building, a government building. Uh, my phone was taken from me as I went in. My identity was taken from me. Uh, my watch was taken from me. And uh, I thought it, it, the security was worse than airport. So um, anyway, I was taken to the very top part of the building, to the very end room. It seemed as I was walking along like a, a mile long. I'm sure it wasn't, but that's what it felt like. And when I eventually got to the room, I was confronted with eight people. Uh, two were from um, the Sanitate, which is the, the health. Um, of course, I, I was working with HIV positive children. Um, uh, two were from the government. There were two secretaries and two from the security police. And I was questioned for three hours. Now, I would say that their English was on a par with my Romanian, which at that time was very, very little. But I had enough to understand. And they kept coming back to the fact, now your foundation, your association, but I didn't have one. 
But they kept coming back to that. I understand that that was the way the security police questioned, going back to the same questions in the hope of tripping you up at one stage. But um, the spirit was with me. I was secretly praying uh, during this time. Um, and um, so after three hours, I, I got away from them. And uh, then straight away, I contacted my good friend, Lisa, and uh, she came straight away and we decided there again, we had to do something. We had to send up, set, set up uh, an official either association or foundation. Um, an association, we were told, had less steps to take. So we went for that. Um, it was not easy. It took years. But um, I felt that the devil was working every step of the way. Because as soon as it got to one thing, then another law came out that they needed another paper. So the lawyer contacted us, uh, uh, we have to get such and such. Then we'll go to the next stage and the same thing happened again. This happened over years. And it, uh, then when I got to the top court, um, apparently the lawyer said to us beforehand, oh, don't worry, everything is signed and sealed now. When it goes there, because it's gone through the hoops, um, it'll just be signed. But when I got to the town court, the judge, for some reason, could not be there. We heard that she had been ill. And there was a, a young, inexperienced judge in her place. And she was afraid to sign. So it was put back again. But eventually, we got there. And we're, we're still there. <laughs> Well, that's a, that, 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 that's some journey you took there. Can I just bring you back just a second to two, to two things that's on my mind? Um, first of all, well, I, I suppose even starting at that last statement you made, that the judge was afraid to sign. Yeah. Why, why would the judge be afraid to sign? Well, I don't know, because in Romania at that time, um, you wouldn't get people doing anything for nothing. Okay. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you mentioned that a lot of people, when you met them, first of all, they were afraid to talk. They were afraid yeah. to speak with it. Why was that? Because of the security tactic. Is that right? Mm-hmm. But, but thank God now that that has changed. You were, the only thing I can say, you were some tough lady to continue working in those circumstances, not knowing who was your friend, who was your foe. Well, the poor were my friends. Yeah, okay. And it was because of them and... You know, they, they gave me such strength. And, yes. you know, over the time, you know, a lot of people have been helped. We helped um, children and families. Mm. Uh, we had children who couldn't go to school because they didn't have the bus fare. Um, so we supported in that way. Uh, others couldn't go to school because they didn't have the clothing, they didn't have uniform, and they didn't have the books that were required. Uh, we helped out there where there was a need. And also we had um, uh, children with disabilities that mm-hmm. we went out to. Um, we had um, Moira, who's now in heaven. Uh, she was four at the time and she got very ill. She was bedridden and she eventually lost all her speech. And when the mother, it was very difficult for the mother uh, the father left, he couldn't cope with the situation. And um, it was so hard for her, you know, she, she needed uh, somebody to talk to. So we made a visit, uh, you know, uh, 
an agreement to visit her on a regular basis. Uh, we managed to get a hoist because as she grew, she was in bed all the time, obviously got very heavy, and the mother couldn't lift her to give her a proper wash, to give her a bath. Um, so we managed to get a hoist out from Ireland, um, which uh, gave the child and the mother more dignity. Uh, we had another child, Emma, uh, who was born without a spine. And uh, Emma's world was her tiny room. Uh, she was on the flat of her back. Her head had to be supported all the time. She couldn't sit up. And no matter when we went, she had a smile for us. And uh, we managed to get... Um, a special chair from Ireland, from heart to hand in Wexford, Skarna, County Wexford, and they're still supporting me. Absolutely fantastic. And at the time, there was great difficulty in getting anything through customs. And apparently on that particular load at the customs in Hungary, on the Hungarian border, um, everything was taken from the lorry except this chair that was left. Oh. Uh, and so the, we, got, we got the chair for Emma and um, Emma, then they, her, her, they had um, a table in front of it. So the parents taught her how to feed herself because before she was on her back, mm -hmm. she was fed with a spoon. Mm -hmm. um, they took the first time they took her out into the garden. They were out of book rest um, and they had a, a lovely garden. The grandmother uh, was gifted with flowers and the garden was absolutely beautiful with the array of colours and when Emma went the first time out she hadn't seen the flowers she wanted to feel the petals and um, go from one to another to get a different feel and I don't know if she knew colours at the time but she knew they were different and um, so then in the evening, it started to rain and um, the mother went to take her in and she started crying. And the mother said, well, Emma, why are you crying? Because you've had a lovely day, you've been out all day. And she says, yes, but I want to know what it feels like to have rain on your head. Mm, idea. Okay. So, you mm. know, I mean, how could you not grow from these instances? From, from those instances. I mean, you get a lot more than what you give. Um, and, you know, the, everything just, you know, sprung on from there. And we went out to a, an outreach, Chernoboda. Uh, the priest out there heard what we were doing and contacted me. And um, we went out and there were some desperate cases. Now, you know, as people died, because we were concentrated on the elderly, because they were, I felt very vulnerable, though we had very vulnerable families as well. Um, you know, we did what we could for them, and they, they knew we cared. I didn't have much language, but the language of care spoke. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. And we had one family there living in a hole in the ground, and they had dug along themselves to, to, to make space, and they had a handicapped child. So, you know, it does, it's unbelievable how, how people um, survived. But... Um, you know, I, I, I'm just listening to you there, just recounting some of these instances that you that you had to cope with. And, of course, the thought comes through my mind uh, that obviously the health 
the health system, the health care that's given that's offered to the to these um, the people, certainly isn't as good as what we would expect here in in Ireland and experience here in Ireland. Well, I must say it has improved. It's improved, yes. and I was just going to come to that. So now these days, now you're obviously continuing to to provide help. Is it mainly to elderly people? Or, yes. So can we, you give we, us some ideas, uh, you know, some ideas, examples of how you're helping people? Uh, we support uh, 40 elderly people. Um, we have groups. And in fact, we, we've got more because we have an outreach as well. But uh, we have four groups of 10 and we bring them together uh, so that they can socialize. Uh, we give them a good meal. We can't cook in, a, in our apartment. That's, uh, you know, regulation. Uh, but we, we buy food in the supermarkets. You can get everything there and you can buy cooked food as well. Uh, so we give them a good meal. Uh, we have a bit of fun together. We play bingo together. Um, we, you know, a little bit of camaraderie together. Very good. And uh, just try to help them to forget their worries for the time. Winter time, we support them with their heating because uh, the seniors will, you know, want to mm. go without the heating rather than, you know, they haven't got the money for it. Their pensions are still very small. Uh, the ones that we have would be maybe people with less than €200 Euro for a month. Wow. And the price? Oh. And, and the price Prices is... have gone up no end here. No end have gone up. I mean, I know from my own bills because I... I count back to my own congregation for what I do in a month, and it's certainly mm-hmm. not more mm-hmm. than two hundred. And yes. and I just I try to live as the people live, you know. So that gives you some idea as as, yeah. as how how they struggle. So we we support them uh, with we we buy food on the day that they're coming, and uh, we we you know, give them about 10 items and we try to vary it so that from month to month they have different things. And we also supplement it from the food bank. We have a contract with the food bank and um, my social worker and, and the driver, we have a minibus, um, they they go twice a month to the food bank and we supplement um, what we have. So they, they, they're well looked after now, the ones that we have. We have about 20 families um, we feel that's very important for the children to keep them at school. And uh, we say to them, we, we get evidence that the children are at school. Mm. And uh, mm. in fact, in the past, um, quite a number of our children have gone on to university and they wouldn't have got to school without our support. So uh, they are now, you know, helping their own families who have pulled away from them. Over the years, we've put a roof over the heads of five families. Wow. And all this came from donations. We don't get a penny from the government. In fact, last year, they asked us to take on some of their people that they didn't have the money within the, the government to, 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 pay, to look after them and were desperate. And they certainly were desperate. We took on five of them. And, and this all started with Rose Karma going out there for a holiday uh, 20, over 20, <laughs> 22 years ago. <laughs> You've certainly built up, by the looks of things, you've certainly built up a good team over there. Um, I have a wonderful team and I can trust each one of them. I have a social worker that he he just, you know, he looks after me as well as everybody else. 
um, you know, and if I had to go somewhere, no, I'll come with you. Um, and he, he's absolutely brilliant. And he's, he does, in fact, he's doing all the office work for me as well, because the, there two years ago, my uh, person who was doing the office work left for another job. And um, he, he took it on. And so he's doing that as well. But um, he certainly looks after me. I look after him as well in different ways, but he looks after me very well too. Uh, the thought comes to my mind, um, 22 years ago you went out there and the thought came to your mind, you know, you were no young chicken, says you, at that particular state. <laughs> so the chicken has gone a little bit older now since uh, 22 years ago. Yeah. Um, any any thoughts on handing over the baton? or? I'd be happy to hand over the baton if I get the right person to come, John. Mm. So, you know, certainly I'm looking, I'm asking, uh, but uh, that person hasn't come my way yet. But, uh, you know, I'd want somebody trustworthy. My social worker certainly could do it, mm. but he wouldn't be in a position to get funding. Yes. Because uh, people, you know, when they think of Romania, uh, they don't always think it's uh, people are trustworthy. He's yeah. very trustworthy. But, you know, in the whole, people uh, don't look on Romanians um, as uh, trustworthy with money. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. So it's not just, uh, and I'm going to come to that now in a minute, but I mean, that that's one of the maybe focuses of, of maybe people trying to help you out is maybe think in the lines of maybe they know of somebody somewhere out there who's um, maybe inclined after listening to your story, maybe thinking about getting involved themselves. I don't know. But well, if people, people have been out, John, from time to time. Um, you know, that's how I've met up with so many people in Ireland and in England, and people have come out for their own holiday here. Um, if they come out, unfortunately, I can't put anybody up because no. we're not allowed mm-hmm. to have anybody there. Mm-hmm. They'd have to look after themselves in mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I certainly could feed them when they're with us, uh, but we couldn't put them up. And um, But, you know, people would be very welcome to come and see for themselves. You know, if somebody says to me, what are you doing? Like, I've had, in the past, I had a, a create creativity group mm-hmm. which was absolutely wonderful this was run by the expats maybe the wives of ambassadors the wives of people working in banks and um, you know uh, one person from canada her husband was working um in colgate he was one of the you know oh, one yes. of the top, the top people mm. at the time mm. and uh, she was um, there were five years here and uh, kathy got to know me she was semi-professional with a, a camera. I'd, I'd say professional. Yes, yes, yes. Brilliant. Um, so it, she's back in Canada now for the last uh, nearly 10 years. And uh, she's been putting all my photos on Facebook. Uh, if I need a letter formatted, I just say, Cathy, I'm sending you this. Will you format it for me? Um, she does my news. And, you know, I write the newsletter. I send it to her. She puts in the pictures to go with it. And um, so she's still very much a volunteer with us, even though she's in Canada. It just shows, you know, if you're willing to take on the Lord's work, he doesn't leave you alone, does he? He, he pro- does not. He, no. he provides these little angels and these people who yeah. are only too willing yeah. to help yeah. out. So, so obviously, you've got this thing up and going, fair dues you, and all the work you're doing, and that work wouldn't get done without you. So you, you mentioned you have a, an association of a lady of mercy in Romania. So how can people find out a little bit more about the work you do in this association? Well, we, we have a website, 
uh, Our Lady of Mercy in Romania. Mm-hmm. And we have um, a Facebook page. And, oh, sorry, the website is uh, World Wide Web, ourladyofmercy.ro. Okay. R.O. for Romania. R.O. for Romania, okay. And the the Facebook page is Our Lady of Mercy in Romania. Uh, you can also get it by putting AFM because that's the um, the Romanian for Associata Fatora Maria, uh, Our Lady of Mercy, mm-hmm. um, uh, Romania.com. Um, but usually for the English-speaking people, I'd say Our Lady of Mercy in Romania, it's, it's easier because the other comes up with different things and they wonder which one to click on. <laughs> Well, we'll certainly put up those links uh, both both to the Facebook. I mean, certainly there's a lot of photographs on your Facebook page because I got in there myself and had a look. Um, and that's obviously your, your friend out there in Canada. Um, but we keep, we keep us up to date and we let people know that things are happening. Well, certainly when, when I went onto your website there, uh, there, there was one particular video that I, that I looked at and, and really it was very informative as, as to, to, to relate a few stories as a, uh, how some of your, how you've certainly helped those people who would have been lost without you. So if people want to help you out, maybe financially in whatever way, what's the best mm-hmm. way of them doing it? Is it going onto the website? Is it contact there? Yes, we have, we have all the details are there. Um, people in, in a lot of people in Ireland, particularly in Dublin. My sister has been absolutely fantastic over the years. She came out herself in the early days to see for herself because mm. she felt she couldn't ask people for help if she didn't know what she was asking for. Yeah. And she didn't believe the poverty that I spoke about. So she came out herself for three weeks and she came everywhere with me. And um, so since that, every year uh, in her parish of Ballyrone, Temple Oak, Rathfarnham, um, she has uh, a coffee, well, she calls it a coffee day, mm. but it's really, um, it turns into a, a social occasion. She Beforehand, she goes to the different bakeries, she goes to the different supermarkets, she gets all the cakes and different things she can, she gets, builds up uh, baskets for raffles. And she has a big, big event. And after all the masses uh, on the Saturday evening and the two masses on the Sunday, she invites the people to come and, um, you know, take part. And she puts cakes and biscuits out for everybody. She's got a, a table along for people can buy cakes and she's different people baking for her. Absolutely brilliant. And she's older than me. <laughs> well, I don't know how, so, you, how, how you guys do it. Put me, she will put me to shame, John. But um, she and her friends, she's got so many friends and a lot of them, you know, give her money to get out to me. Well, if she gets money, it comes out to me straight away because, um, you know, she, and she's got no charges on banking because she's a senior. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> So, but we have we have our own set up here in Romania as well, and um, details are there. You know, Do you know I, 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 just as we come to, as we draw it to a close, um, just going back to the beginning and where you are now. I, I just mentioned. I know I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I'm sure um, you, your face and your your friends, your angels, as you call them. Yes. Uh, you're never left alone. You went out there, you no. didn't know the language, didn't have a clue about the place. Uh, you encountered all these problems. 
but you put all your trust in the Lord. Maybe there's a lesson for us all in that. Well, I'll just give you one little story about mm. trust. Okay. Um, just before I set up the association, when I was well trying to get things going, um, I had a statement from the bank here to say I had three euro in the bank. Okay. I was absolutely appalled. That particular day, I had arranged with my friend Lisa to go out to visit um, a lady who had was in the latter stages of gangrene in her foot. Her foot was blacker than the ace of spades. And uh, when I got this uh, statement, I thought I'd better go to the bank before I go out just to verify that this is correct. Mm -hmm. And it was correct. I came back and I said nothing to Lisa at the time. We went out to visit the lady. Now, she was absolutely a saint. I have lots of saints in heaven now praying for us. And uh, one particular person was having an operation that day in Ireland. And she asked me for prayer. And I said to this person, will you put this person, I gave her, wrote her name down and uh, pray for her. And because she is very frightened of having this surgery. And so what she did, anyone that I asked her to pray for, she wrote down on a piece of paper. And three times a day, she asked for the paper to go between her hands. And she took whatever time she wanted, an hour or so, just to give her pain, to give whatever thoughts came to her for all of these people. I left her with the paper in her hands that paper, by the way, was buried with her. But with that, that uh, the paper in her hands, I came back here to my own place. And as I walked in, I saw that I had a fax. I have no fax now, but I had no uh, laptop at that time. And uh, so I thought, who on earth sending me a fax? I took the, looked at the fax, and it was from somebody in Ireland who said, I have put 5,000 euro into your account. No. That's so trust. That's that's the way the Lord has been working. So if you're doing the Lord's work, you're doing the Lord's work. And he will provide whatever you need to do his work. Exactly. Once we start to take over and listen, thank you so much indeed for coming on and sharing that, that, that story with us today, sharing how the Lord has worked in your life and in turn helped those who can't help themselves. Thank you so much indeed. And please... Be aware of our prayers over here, especially on Come and See Inspirations. We'll certainly put all those links up, up on our uh, podcast uh, as we publish uh, this interview and also be assured of our prayer support. Before you leave, I always ask people to share a piece of music for us or to choose a piece of music. Mm-hmm. You've chosen a piece of music for us. Will you tell me what it is and why you chose it? Well, I'd love the circle of mercy, John. Because, as it says in the chorus, the circle of mercy is timeless. A circle has no beginning, it has no end. So, for me, mercy doesn't have a beginning, it doesn't have an end. It just goes on and on and on. And also the words, you know, that we're touched by them. I'm touched by the poor. Um, And feel their strength and courage. They've suffered so much. And um, I, I come away a better person. And I have that sense of inner healing when I leave them. 
Cicero's Carmel McNamara, it's a pleasure to listen to you and to uh, and to know you and to meet you. And please, God, we'll speak again at, at some stage. In the meantime, as this is the beginning of 2023, maybe wish you and all your colleagues out there a happy new year. God bless Thank you. Thank you. And I wish you the same. A happy new year and peace and joy and everything that's good. God bless now. In mercy We touch the hearts of those who are in misery In mercy by them and feel their strength and courage in mercy we heal the pain of those who are in sorrow in mercy we're healed by them and see the face of hope for the circle of mercy is timeless Spirit of life itself, which grounds us in faith and lifts us in hope and holds us in God's loving care and holds us in God's loving care. Circle of mercy 
back to part three of this week's podcast and and i'll bring this back in from part two we had that piece of music there which is the monks of Grinstall abbey and noreen noreen and they are singing a piece which is called the beatitude which is from the cd biscantorat 
uh, available in all good record shops, as they say, uh, I think. Or else you can get it. Well, that's very old fashioned now, I suppose, John. People don't go into CDs shops anymore. Although saying that, I was in a shop before Christmas and I could not get over the amount of vinyl that was around the place. Yes. Do you, mm. do you reckon it's, it's, it's making a bit of a comeback? It or? made a bit of a comeback and then they kind of mangled, the, the, the record companies mangled it because they didn't, they didn't pr- produce enough of it and they made it too expensive. So be it. But anyway, this piece of music, the reason why you played it. Sorry, the reason why we played mm. it, of course, is it's linked very much to mm. this week's gospel. And which we're going to reflect on now and part three of the program. And it is very much that this week we start the reading of the Sermon on the Mount and, of course, the Beatitudes. But before that, there's a prayer we always pray. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it, and that our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the Gospel for today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 1 to 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they insult you and persecute you and not utter every kind of evil against you falsely because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward will be great in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord, the beautiful uh, Gospel they shine of the Beatitudes. A lot I know you can say about it, but we'll try and keep it within the half hour if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I suppose it, there's a few interesting things, I suppose, that we could just, in terms of background to the Gospel, just, I suppose, just to observe. Um, the Beatitudes are in, I think they're in two, if not three, of the Synoptic Gospels. Um, in Matthew, Jesus goes up a hill to teach, but in Luke, it's the Sermon on the Plain, as opposed to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but the interesting thing is the, the the basic content is is very similar. Uh, for listeners this morning, particularly those that are in Ireland or the UK, there will be a slight difference with the gospel that you will hear proclaimed in liturgy at Mass because we have used uh, a particular translation this morning which trans which says which describes the beatitudes as blessed are you whereas the translation that's used in the liturgy uh, which is the Jerusalem Bible which is the current lectionary particularly in Ireland will say happy are you but it's a more accurate translation is blessed and I'll come back to that in a minute um it's an interesting one John um the 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 beatitudes 
the eight Beatitudes are sometimes described as the manifesto of the Christian life. Um, they're not easy reading, and it's not quite sure what, you wouldn't be quite sure sometimes what way to read them. Um, and different people over the centuries have focused on different parts of them. And I know in particular, Oscar Romero uh, used to have a, quite a number of well-known homilies just in relation to the Beatitudes. But looking at it this week, I suppose there are a couple of things that might strike you in relation to it. And that each of those, you know, each of the Beatitudes in and of themselves, you could do a, a whole reflection on. And there's eight of them. So, you know, one suggestion for readers this week is you could take a, a Beatitude per day for your week and do your just your Lexio on each Beatitude on itself individually. You know, so blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's a number of ways that that could be translated. It's also blessed are the meek, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, and there's there's a there's a there's a risk there that perhaps you know Christianity can be translated into um, a religion or a faith where it's just you know it's constantly turning the other cheek. And yes, that's true. That that. Jesus, that's what Jesus said in terms of tr- treating your 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 enemy as, as you just turn the other cheek. But it's also, I suppose, a reminder to us that there is a poverty of the soul which sometimes can afflict us that we may not be aware of. And I suppose there is a danger, I suppose, that some people say that there's a there's a greater poverty of the soul in the West in the affluent West than there would be in poorer parts of the world. I think that's too simplistic sometimes, a, a view on things. But there is a question in terms of there's the the poor in spirit are those that are open to being aware, I think, of the divine in their lives. It's not necessarily that um, you are... It, it, it's, it's, it's a reminder to us that we cannot be distracted uh, by the world around us, but and that we have this sense of disconnection and this sense of stepping back, I suppose, from it and being poor in that context as opposed to anything else. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Not an easy one, um, you know, to say to someone, blessed are you because you mourn. You know, when you're in the depths, when you are in the depths of your grief, that's not exactly something uh, that was going to that's going to pick you up necessarily, um, but I suppose what it is it's a reminder to us that even when we are in the depths of our aloneness and in the depths depths of our sadness, we are not alone. Christ is with us, and of course, if we are truly living in a Christian community, the Christian community is with us as well. One of the observations sorry, Sharon, that, that, I, that I picked up there myself during the week in regard to that particular one, blessed are they who mourn. And it was relating actually to somebody who had sinned, mourning for the fact that they've messed up, but being comforted afterwards now because, especially within the Catholic tradition, we have that sacrament of, of confession, of reconciliation. It was just one of those things that I didn't think so much myself, 
but it was it was something that was mentioned. That's an interesting one of looking at it. As I said, you know, there's many ways that these could be reflected on. Mm. You know, I'm not necessarily. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not. No. I'm not giving mm. an infallible interpretation, John, by any stretch of the no, imagination. No. Uh, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And this is an interesting one. This is one that was particularly used and commented on particularly in the 19, early 1980s when liberation theology was sweeping across South and Central America. And it's one which Oscar Romero and others like him have picked up and, and very much something that we should be hungering and thirst for righteousness, mm-hmm. that there sh- we should have this desire in us, not just for it in terms of our rights, but also for those of others who are, you know, downtrodden and, and oppressed and the you know the the the, the promise is that we they they'll be, they will be satisfied. Uh, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Again, that reminder to us, as Christians, that you know mercy is one of the keystones of what it is mm. to be Christian. Blessed are the clean of heart, for they shall see God. And that's an interesting one. Another way that's been written is blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see yeah. God. Mm. Um and. An interesting interpretation of that that was presented to us at Lexio on Monday during the week was that was kind of a slight dig by Jesus at the the Pharisees of the time where they were very much focused on the external observations of the mm, Jewish law. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, but the, the Jesus whole point is clean of heart. Yes. You know, it's 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 an interior. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? An interior state rather than just uh, just the externalities. Blessed are the peacemakers, uh, is an interesting one, for they should be called children of God. And I just find, I always find that an interesting one. The peacemakers are children of God. Um, the problem is, the child of God was Jesus Christ, and Jesus was hung on the cross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which kind of links into the next one, which is, Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or blessed are you when they insult and persecute you and utter every kind of evil against you. Now, when I was in school, it was utter every kind of calumny against you. Yeah. That uh, was how that one was translated, which is an interesting way of looking at it as well. But the last two in particular, I suppose, are interesting ones in terms of the recognition that Christianity isn't exactly supposed to be a majority situation. You know, Christianity is very much the outlier, the prophetic voice in the community. And that's probably one of the challenges that we have. Uh, well, we definitely have it in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not so sure about the UK or the States where, you know, but in an Irish context where, where Christianity is the dom- was the dominant faith practice and where Catholicism in particular was the version that was dominant. Now to be in a situation where it's very much in a minority and has had to learn to accommodate what that means in a world that sometimes doesn't care about mm. what it has to mm. say mm. about different things is a huge mind shift and a huge change. Um, although, you know, the way sometimes people would go on, sometimes you'd swear the bishops were still going around belting the politicians with their crozers. But um, it's it's a reminder to us that it calls, there's a call there to be brave. There's a sense that you are called to, it's not going to be an easy thing sometimes to be a Christian. And the promise at the end of this week's gospel, of course, is rejoice and be glad for your reward will be great in heaven. Now, of course, the challenge with that is sometimes that can get a bit Pollyannish 
and is very much focusing on the um, what is to come rather than what is now. But I think the 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 the, the beatitudes before that are very much um, uh, you know very much a wisdom teaching that's available to us. You know, it's 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 very much kind of a reflective piece in in some sense that we're called to dialogue with our experience and very much kind of to say does this help us understand a person that we have encountered in life you know if you think about each of the verbs that uh, that's there yeah um you know are the people that are described um you know the poor the children of god the peacemakers cause, yeah thanks john the peacemakers um the the poor in spirit those who mourn the meek the hunger and ter- those who hunger from thirst, the merciful, the pure of heart, the peacemakers. You know, we can all enc- we've all encountered people uh, in our lives who we could associate with those types of characteristics and descriptions. Um, and just, I suppose, that whole idea for us that, you know, they are a call to arms, a call to action for us. And... Um, and very much, I suppose, are bringing together of what it is to be human in many senses and reminder to us that they're also, I suppose, um, if we, it, it, it looks at the whole person in its entirety and kind of looking at it from the point of view that they're a call to us to be prepared interior-wise, but that how that will manifest itself to the outside world as well. So there's a lot there, I think, John, to reflect on for this Sunday's gospel. Um, definitely a gospel that would require people to take it this this week mm-hmm. and reflect on it. And like I said, it might be a good idea maybe to take one of the Beatitudes each day. Yeah, good idea. And mm-hmm. to, to, to take that as your, your reflections for the day. Shane, thanks a lot indeed for that. For my own few thoughts in it while reflecting today on the gospel passage, From Matthew, two points spoke to me. The first was, when Jesus went up the hill, away from the noise of the world, and was joined by his disciples, he taught them. And Lectio Divina, we've been told, is to connect the texts from the Word of God that we've just read with our own life's experience. For me, that experience has been that I need to get away from the noise of the world to hear what what Jesus is teaching me. Being in a place without distractions allows me to stay with the text, allowing the Holy Spirit have the hold of my attention. So the first point, give the Holy Spirit a chance to be heard. Get away from the noise and going up the hill, that's what Jesus done. Second point spoke to me was the sentence he taught them. When I read that, I was reminded of the gospel passage a few weeks ago, baptism of the Lord, when a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son, the beloved, my favour is on him. So when I listen to the teaching of Jesus, as this morning, I'm listening to the teaching of God the Father. And in today's Gospel passage, we see Jesus leading us on a journey of living our lives with the values of the Kingdom of Heaven, a journey of a lifetime. So for me, the more time I spend away from the noise of the world, while reflecting on today's Gospel passage, the better chance I'll have of listening to what the Word of God is challenging me to do this particular week. My own thoughts on the Gospel for today. Uh, Thanks again, Shane, for for your quick run-through 
uh, and you kept it within a half hour, so fair dues to you. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed for that. Yeah, no, I mean, as Shane said, you can go on for hours and hours on this, but I, I think that's a good idea that Shane has there, just to take one of those each day. Just stay with it. Don't push it. Just wait for the Holy Spirit to, to guide us into a reflection where he wants us to go. Mm-hmm. So at, at the end of our podcast this week, we'll go out with a final piece of music. It's another Beatitudes song. This one I picked up. It's entitled The Beatitudes by Hillsong. So to next week for myself and Shane, thanks again for joining us. Have a good week and enjoy the reflection on the Beatitudes each day. Until then, God bless you. Bye.
It's still to come.